0: Hello and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners and Maine residents and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more.
1: My name is Kimberly Rigolinski.
0: And I'm Todd Rigolinski.
1: And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a local magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can learn more about us at keepitlocalmaine.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram through the links in the show notes.
0: Our guest this week is songwriter, producer, multi-instrumentalist, and podcaster, Spencer Alvey. He was the keyboard player for Maine's own Rustic Overtones before releasing his debut album, Frankenstein Presents the Popsicko Volume 1, in 2000. Since then, he's had several musical projects like Rocktopus, As Fast As, Spencer and the School Spirit Mafia, Space vs Speed, and his current collaboration called Bell Systems. And all that in addition to recording on his own. He is the creative host behind the yearly Beatles Night in Portland with an all-star band. And Rolling Stone Magazine has referred to him as a 21st century master in the lost art of Beatlesque esque hooks. Oh, and he also hosts a weekly podcast called Spencer and Zach Explore the Universe with fellow musician and one of our previous guests, Zach Jones. Welcome to the show, Spencer.
1: Yes, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: This is great. It
0: is a pleasure. So, uh, you do have a new album out. It's true. And uh, your pr- the the fir- the prior album to this, which actually is 20 years old, uh, the Popsico, now Volume One. I guess we have to call it. Uh, well, it was now...
2: actually that was the title.
0: Oh, that's right. I actually I forgot that. Yeah. I was and I was listening to it earlier and I missed that part. Yeah, that's great. So this one is called the Pop Volume Two. How did you decide to make a sequel? to an album 20 years later?
2: Um, well, I just started recording here in my house because I don't know if you... I don't want to bring your listeners down, but uh, there's a bit of a pandemic on right now. Oh, there is? <laughs> yeah, I I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of anxiety uh, surrounding that, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so I just started making music as a pleasant distraction. And then mm-hmm. I, it was brought to my attention that it was 20 years ago that the volume one was released. And the reason it was volume one was because I was in a band, I was in rustic overtones at the time. And I was just, it was just kind of like a put out a record for the sake of making a record. It wasn't like, this is my new thing, you know, necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I made like a volume one, like I was thinking, I was picturing myself in rustic overtones sustainably for a period of time. And I just kind of occasionally dropped these popsico, you know, volumes. In mm-hmm. fact, the first Rocktopus record was the, all the original CDs and, and mix tapes and all that stuff are labeled Volume Two, huh. but that ended up being the first Octopus record because all of a sudden there was no rustic, and I was like, "Well, okie, okay, okie, okay. <laughs> I guess I- <laughs> <laughs> this is now its own thing." I Guess I am going this way, right on. And so, yeah, that's how that's how this one got to be Volume Two. It was just because make a record for the sake of making a record, not really worried mm-hmm. about like how I am going to go out and play it, or just no o- no other considerations than than the noise I was mm-hmm.
1: making. So it must have been just I mean that must have been almost therapeutic too. Just kind of uh, as this season that we're in going through, you know, this pandemic and covid. It, it, did you feel like there wasn't a lot of pressure there? Like you just, you know.
2: Yeah, like what are they going to do? do? Take away my shows?
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Whatever.
0: Yeah. What what are shows? I I forget. I, what uh, that again? I miss shows.
2: I I have a vague recollection. It's more of like a it's like a sense yeah. more than the memory. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: it really is. <laughs> yeah. So is your songwriting process, is it different than it was 20 years ago? And if so, how has it changed And how, or how is it the same?
2: Um, it would have to be different, you know, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Actually, going back and listening to it, there, there, there are a lot of similar. I, I was, in a lot of ways, pretty fully formed as a younger person. I think that I'm mm-hmm. able to play what I hear in my head. Better now than I was back then. Like I'm a better mm-hmm. player, but I feel like compositionally, like uh, I'm kind of, you know, not you know, fundamentally. That's in, in a similar space. I, I listen to some of like my older songs. I'm like, oh, not bad. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's, that's not bad for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. So in that way, it's kind of the same. I I I, I don't have a uh, a singular approach to writing songs. It can either mm-hmm. be just starts with drum and bass, just kind of get, like, a vibe going on kind of thing, or, Mm -hmm. which I guess that would be the case with, uh, is that Paul Newman off the new album? That was just, Mm -hmm. started off as, like, a bass and drum thing, which turned into a whole song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or the first track, or second track, I guess, Love's Not Lost, that was definitely, like, me charging myself with, you know, sit down and write a song right now, young man. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but...
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: So when uh, I was I was mentioning this to Kim earlier because I I had a chance to listen to the whole album kind of front to back today, mm-hmm. and in that song is that Paul Newman? Mm-hmm. Did I hear a little bit of Three Dog Night kind of in the outro of that? Well, it's that it's that well, it's her Electric Piano. Yeah, yeah. It almost sounded like that. You know, uh, Mama told me not to come. Dude, same vibe, same instrument. Yeah. It might even be the same okay.
2: key. I don't know. Uh, I can't confirm that. But yeah, that's the, That's the vibe. That's that kind of, you can't, you can't touch that instrument without kind of recalling Three Dog Night or Super Tramp. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's, that's the one I hadn't actually thought or of. Or Ray Charles. But I tell you what, I don't mm. play like that guy. <laughs> Pretty good. No, nobody really does they they yeah. gave him the nickname genius for a reason i think yep
2: yep i can't touch that absolutely
0: what was your musical upbringing like and and here i'm kind of thinking of early influences and mm-hmm. and how and when you knew that music was something that you were interested in and that you wanted to do kind of for your lifetime
2: well i was always musical turns out my yeah my parents got me uh like the little kids like you know musical play set and I, mm-hmm. I went bananas on that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents also exposed me to a lot of music from a very early age, like really young. Uh, I had my mm-hmm. own record player. I had my own record player until I decided that it was a potter's wheel. <laughs> uh, How did that so- work out? Uh, Well, I'm actually kind of surprised I didn't get electrocuted because it was definitely a plug-in-the-wall record player. <laughs> I was definitely <laughs> using water on my Play-Doh.
1: Oh my gosh!
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they had a uh, uh, they had records by the Supremes, the Platters, Rubber Soul. I had a copy of Rubber Soul. I had Peter and the Wolf, Henry Mancini, 101 Strings. So I had like a lot of actually all those influences I just mentioned are pretty much like where I'm at <laughs> right now.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And
2: my dad. He wouldn't call himself a singer, but I would. He's he's got a really lovely voice, and he used to sing a lot. He loves singing, though he never did it in a, any sort of professional capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother's father was a vaudeville musician. There's actually like a you can YouTube the Lemire twins and see he and his brother. They're not actually twins, although they do look very similar. They look similar in the way that everybody in 1938 <laughs> looked the same, you know. <laughs> but it's like old newsreel footage of them playing banjos together with with Uh. with their father my great-grandfather who built at that point the biggest banjo in the world and it's uh (laughs) he's not a good player Uh. (laughs) (laughs) but it's it was uh it was big i'll give him that um yeah and then so i he would play with me as a kid like sit me on his knee and let me strum the banjo and he'd fret you know like sesame street songs and that kind of stuff and then uh my first grade teacher had a piano in in the classroom and mm-hmm. i gravitated towards that and then we had a great music teacher in elementary school who you know taught us fundamentals of music but then we'd close the the uh each class someone got to pick out a, a 45 or bring in a 45 and mm. play it so you're so also cool. listening to current music i also took piano lessons from her and uh, my parents got me a piano and then i kept taking lessons kept playing and then i stopped taking lessons because it was no fun and i started again and i stopped <laughs> and Uh, I had a great music teacher in middle school uh, Mm. who really pushed all of us really hard. And then when I get to high school, we didn't have the best teachers. They were kind of like tenured and just like whatever, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had a lot because we had a lot of great musicians in our class because of the, the all the great music that we had up to that point, so we kind of motivated ourselves mm. Mm. at that point. And then I started taking lessons again because I decided I wanted to go to school for music. It was all—it was either music or special makeup effects, and I chose music. And uh, huh. yeah, I know uh, what, special makeup effects. Yeah, what
0: made you think special makeup effects?
2: I was into like horror movies and stuff, uh, and just okay. I was obsessed with a fellow named Tom Savini. And I used to, you know, just like buy my own like liquid latex and make masks and stuff like that. And,
0: that's yeah. awesome. That's I, so cool. I never would have thought to do In that. In
2: retrospect, oh. I might have, uh, maybe I should have gone with special makeup effects because people are apparently still employed doing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but
2: uh, yeah. yeah, so that's uh, I, I crushed piano lessons and kind of like learned how to read music and audition for USM to which when I finished my audition at USM, the head of the jazz department who I was auditioning for said, well, that was loud. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. That was sweet. And then, um, yeah, I just uh, met Dave Noyce there from Rustic, and then he pretty much the the, the summer, he basically said if I got a Fender Rhodes, uh, I could be in the band. (laughs) So that summer I got a Fender Rhodes, and I called him, he was like, great. And he he, uh, said, yeah, come on up to Granny Killums, which is where the Big Easy used to be Mm -hmm. um, on Market Street in Portland, Maine. And uh, so he had me show up for that and none of the band knew I was coming and it was really embarrassing and there I was like out in front of their rehearsal spot with my car full of gear like playing John Rudes the bass player a tape of me playing over their stuff and they had no idea I was coming oh <laughs> and uh, and Dave Noyce like rolled up like you know last last minute mm-hmm. and uh, he's like oh yeah I thought maybe Spence could sit in with us today and they're like uh okay <laughs>
0: Then I, I was wow. so mortifying. But yeah, then I was in the band and
2: <laughs> the rest is uh, on Wikipedia.
0: So cool. Do, do you think fun. that he might have done that a little bit on purpose? Just I like, you think you know he 100% did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because yeah.
1: so cool. that
0: sounds like just one of the best jokes yeah. ever, as long as you're not the one standing there yeah. <laughs> with well, I think everybody he, staring at you.
2: I think Dave knew that he wanted me or at least those vintage keyboards in the band I think he knew mm-hmm. that or maybe both and I think mm-hmm. that rather than deliberating with everybody and trying to pass it by committee he just made it happen and, mm-hmm. and he kind of had that faith like well you know the kid will fly or he won't mm-hmm. um, yeah and so yeah and That's it, so cool. it worked ish
1: awesome.
0: for a while <laughs> <laughs> As everything in, yeah. in music does, yeah. Yeah, you know, it or it doesn't.
1: Uh, that's a good story. Yeah. So what, what is your favorite um, process as far as uh, songwriting, recording, producing, mixing, or perform performing? What would you say is your kind of favorite process? My
2: favorite part of the whole thing is writing, writing and recording and producing are, are kind of one thing to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love making a song and recording that and, like, trying to make, make the production, the the song work. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. like, a fun puzzle for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, like, when you actually succeed in not only, like, putting the puzzle together, but, like, cutting the pieces as well, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: It's just, like, a, a problem to solve, and I, I love it, and it's my favorite part of the whole thing. And I, I would have, this time last year, I'd have been, like, yeah, performing, whatever, but now that I don't really get to do it, I realize how much I miss it.
0: Yeah. 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 So. I can see that. So when you uh, when you look at Popsico Volume One and uh-huh. Volume Two, and uh-huh. you kind of look at them side by side, and I granted, I'm I was thinking this today as I was as I was going through Volume Two and and Volume One is hey, it's right there above it in the uh, in my iTunes. Huh. Do you look at the two of those and and th- see any similarities, or are you just like, well, it's just, you know, are they distant cousins? Are they you know twins. How do you how do you look at that?
2: I just feel like it's kind of the the approach on both of them was kind of the same that that's the similarity it's like they're mm-hmm. they're both pretty eclectic uh collections of songs
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they're both made with you because know, i'm in a band right now you know so i wasn't i'm not trying to like i don't know i wasn't planning on making a record i just made a record because i had a, a record in me to make and uh mm-hmm. so i just approached it with that that kind of mindset of like just let it be what it is like don't yeah, you know, there's one point where I thought like, oh my god, I'm making a Steely Dan record, <laughs> <You know>? and <laughs> Not then a bad way to go. No, no, but like, uh, but then then it kept like changing and morphing, and new songs would be added, and it just kind of ended up being the big kind of comfort food smorgasbord that it is.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was very like when the first the overture came mm-hmm. on, my first thought was, and and I hope this isn't upsetting, but. I was like, this sounds Me like the, too. like, like, I mean, yeah, it'd be really awkward. <laughs> uh, like this is, this. Uh, I was like, this sounds like the opening to like the coolest John Carpenter movie ever.
2: I'll take it. And that's definitely where my brain was at. Like they're hanging out so, around like the thing or Blade Runner or, and in fact, I'm using those, those keyboards. So
0: you are not yeah, wrong. Okay, good. Yeah. Whew, so boy, cool. that would have been weird. Uh, <laughs> I hate John Carpenter. Oh, <laughs> just kidding it. just kidding oh, well. The, the
2: thing is one of my top three favorite movies wow
0: mm-hmm. well I guess I, I can also see where the whole you know special makeup effects would have come out of something like that I as was well. obsessed
2: with that and I still am <laughs> I just I watched that and it, I borderline clap every time because it's so over the top like <laughs> it's, just, it's just such an accomplishment in, in absurd disgustingness <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, do you when you have a project or to, or or an album or okay. or something like this, do you find yourself kind of gravitating like do you have a favorite song or or couple of songs off of the new album or is it all just like nope, they're all kind of equal to me?
2: Uh it changes, you know? Uh definitely like I have I think probably some favorites on the record, but it's more like after it's done and you kind of listen to it as a completed body of work uh, Mm -hmm. that you can kind of, that I can kind of see, see them as like individuals rather than, you know what I mean? Like as you're making it, you're just trying to make it successful. Mm. And each song kind of hopefully would give you, as you're making it would give you like the, Ooh, I'm I'm onto a thing kind of gives you like, you get the, you get the buzz like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool, cool. I'm doing something. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're asking me, like, if I have favorites off off the new album.
0: Or just any album. I Because I was wondering, because I know that it's it's a, it, I figured it would be kind of that rotational thing where, mm-hmm. well, you know, sometimes I like these songs, and then I hear something different in these songs, mm-hmm. even though you kind of are the one who produced them. I was just curious how that would work from a standpoint of, I did all of this, and how, do you, how would you feel about that? That's more of the question, I guess.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know, uh... <laughs> It is because, like this record specifically, I did the save for like the the handful of guest spots and and uh, the spit shine that Wyman put on it. I did all of it, so like I know where all the ske- skeletons are buried. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, I find listening back to older stuff, I can. There was a point in in my career or whatever you want to call this thing I do uh, <laughs> where I. I'm happy with all of the songs on the record. Like if I listen back to Rocktopus, mm-hmm. I'm not unhappy with that. But there are definitely moments where it's like, oh, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, it just sounds like a dumb guy doing dumb things. Mm-hmm. But then there are moments where it's like, okay, like, you know, that's, that's, you're on your way. But I think that by the time I hit, uh, uh, geez, I don't maybe Destroy the Plastic Man Maybe open letter to the damned the first the indie open letter to the damned I could I can listen mm-hmm. down to those records and not want to delete certain songs. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, the consistency piece I would think is is kind of the mm-hmm. the tough part there. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. as as someone who who writes, I'll definitely look back at things that I, I wrote and I'm like ooh yeah why whoa should i delete that or should i keep that as an artifact to remind myself that i need to keep working harder (laughs) yeah Hmm. yeah what to do what to do let's do yeah so oh i'm sorry go ahead
1: yeah no i was just curious so how do you how do you feel that you've evolved as an artist over the last 20 years
2: well i think i've gotten better as as a musician as a player Mm. and you know how when like okay you you get your own apartment, mm-hmm. and you start cooking. Mm-hmm. You're cooking your food for yourself all the time, and then you you go to, you know, wherever. You go to Target, and you get yourself, like, a spice rack, mm-hmm. um, and then you start. You make some chicken. You use, like, everything in the spice rack, like, because you have it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then maybe yep. down the line, you might just be like, nope, just salt and pepper yep. <laughs> is enough. Uh, right. So that, that kind of, like, learning how to not overdo it, not have it be everything in the kitchen sink. And if it is going to be everything in the kitchen sink, like, really making sure you know there's a space for everything. Mm. Or that you're making kind of, like, an orchestral sound together, you know, in Mm. Congress. But um, I just said that like Moira Rose. In Congress.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was a nice moment. I like that. Yes, that was, yes. Adds a bit of class to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just, the way
2: she approaches, I, I don't know how they get any takes on that show. Between <laughs> between Moira and David and Alexis, it's just, they're all so, so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> on just, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, but, wow. but yeah, just like learning some restraint, I guess. and And also... Having, you know, like, maybe if I was younger, I would have, like, a whiskey ginger or some sort of, like, drink. But now I'm just like, no, just the whiskey's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Just, like, let it yeah. breathe. Let it do its thing. Yeah. It's enough.
1: That's a great analogy. That yeah. really is. That's, that's, that's the one. Great...
0: They're all going to yeah. be crap from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know what we're in for. Yeah. You know?
1: It's a good life lesson right there, yep. Evan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, after a while, you start appreciating things for kind of what they are instead of like how much stuff I can mm-hmm. add into them. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: how I I look at it. Yeah. Either that, either that. I'm just getting really lazy and I don't want to add stuff to things anymore.
2: But also like maintaining that like, you know, like oh, they, you could never put those two ingredients together. Yeah. You know, unlike unlike cooking, you, mm-hmm. there are certain things that like pretty unequivocally are gross. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But with with music i love cross I, I always try to do something that's uh how do i phrase this like like why would you do that that sounds so mm-hmm. nerdy or just mm-hmm. like and i love that mm-hmm. and it ends up like not sounding that nerdy because it works but mm-hmm. you know i don't know if, if usually if it makes me laugh then i keep it in
0: it's
1: awesome
0: mm. well it's always a good way to go Laughter's. Laughter is important. I think it, it. also covers over a multitude of sins. Sometimes. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I, I also am one to use like laughter. Like if I get like bad news, I'm like, "Oh, that's terrible," you know. Um, you know I'm gonna try that from now on. Or if something's just so awesome, I laugh usually. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So. Laughter's
1: good. Laughter's really good.
2: Laughter's key. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Quick question regarding kind of just those combining of ingredients because it just kind of. Brought to mind last year's uh Dave Noy's tribute show at State. Was mm-hmm. that la- it? Was last year? Or was that actually the beginning of 2020? Because time has no more meaning anymore. No,
2: it was it was last year.
0: Okay, I I didn't know if I was losing my mind more. Than no, no, usual. no, no,
2: no, no, it's like, the, like it's so hard to keep tabs on the passage of time
0: right now because it's absolutely yeah. um, you know, deleted year. I
1: know,
0: yeah, but I, I remember. That being something that that uh, a couple of the guys from Rustic had, had talked about, just how Dave was kind of a, had these eclectic musical tastes, and uh-huh. that, you know, and especially I, I I thought the show, the set that you you performed with Rustic was great because it wasn't like the very poppy sort of things. It was kind of the weirder songs, and I I I appreciated the fact that you know that that was what y'all were going for. Do you do you take any of that kind of eclecticness, if that's actually a word from? You know, knowing Dave back in the day or or where does that come from? Is that just something that you've kind of mm. built up over the years?
2: Uh, I mean, Dave Noyes definitely uh, hipped me to a lot of cool stuff. You know, mm. so the way we met was, as I said, at USM and every Friday after there's basically it's called I think it's called recital class, but the whole music department would be in the same room together in Corthell Hall and we would watch our peers perform. Mm-hmm. and then after that we would go back to our dorm room and drink all the coffee <laughs> and just listen to stuff mm-hmm. at that point i remember like you know being like you know really into fish at the time and he'd be like yeah cool cool and then he'd play like frank zappa like cause, like oh you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like you like this but this is where this comes from mm-hmm. uh, yeah so yeah. Yeah, he hit me to a lot of... Uh, we listened to a lot of jazz, too, because we were also like in music school together at the time, so it was also mm-hmm. kind of a joint period of discovery. Mm-hmm. I've always had eclectic taste in music, and certainly when you get together with somebody like Dave Noyce, who has like... This, it's almost like a... He's like a library, you know? Mm. And, mm. I mean, my record collection, it's not obviously the same as Dave's, because I have different tastes than he did, but there's a lot... I could pull out certain records. And be like, oh yeah, Dave hit me to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, who knows? Maybe I hit him to some things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, or, or so just was... anybody in that group. That that there's a lot of uh, really great uh, musical heads in that group. Mm. Um, mm. I could, I could, I could think of each member of that, you know, that band, that lineup, and for the most part, say like that person turned me on to this, that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: so
0: cool it's always good when you when you can kind of pick those things out and yeah. and attribute them back to you know relationships that you've had right. you know kind mm-hmm. of this little musical or you know cultural family tree mm-hmm. yeah. so cool.
2: well Viev and my, my partner in Bell systems we were talking this morning and she said that she was on a, a shot a kick I was like oh that's I'm so happy for you you know because I mm-hmm. actually remember there was a period of time when when rustic was like it was like all shot A all the time. We I don't know what happened, but I think she had a, a new record out at that time, mm-hmm. and so we just got into like it was just shot A for days, for yeah. months, you know. And, <laughs> and I just, I can think of like I can definitely think of uh you know there are records that that a band a, a, a certain person might be into. Like for instance, like within the context of Rustic Overtones, uh, Tony and I were into Ben Folds Five. And it was only Tony and I, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we'd listen to it. Everybody had a chance to kind of listen to their thing. But then like, you know, eventually like certain things would get voted off the island because (laughs) it just drove somebody. You don't want to drive people crazy, you know, (laughs) Um, but those albums that kind of passed muster for everybody. And and Mm -hmm. there's uh, I should make that list because there was certainly like a handful of, you know, there's like, you know, Tom Waits Bone Machine, Los Lobos Colossal Head. Ron mm-hmm. Sexsmith, other songs. Um, oh, there's a brand Nubian album that we listen to all the time. Mm-hmm. KRS-One. Yeah, there are just like certain records that that could just be played. Oh, uh, De La Soul. Stakes is high. Mm-hmm. Um, those definitely make me think of of that. You know, being in that van with everybody.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, uh, little little kind of thing that I always listen for in music, and I'm I'm guessing this might be a thing that you at least pick out as well. Probably not. Um, I, w- I like. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, just- <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be professional, but you know, oh, you found me out. We're supposed to be professional. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I like to look for kind of those weird things that you'll find in recording, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, for instance, like uh, listening to old James Brown's out al- James Brown albums, you sure. can hear like uh, you can hear the kick pedal squeak. Yes, I love that. In a bunch of, okay. So one of my favorite ones uh, yes, is this is from uh, Rustic Overtone's last show at the state, like, well, last with air quotes around it. Mm-hmm. And it somehow wound up on Internet Archive mm-hmm. or whatever. And a friend of mine burned that for me, and I listened to it uh, until I wore the CDs out. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning of Pop Trash, mm-hmm. uh, as the drums are starting in, someone yells out, Where's one? so it was so funny and i laugh every single time because Uh, at first i was like oh that's kind of funny and then i'm trying to count it and i'm like i don't know where one is either i i wouldn't have any where's one (laughs) yeah (laughs) so do you have any moments like well actually first of all was that you yelling that do you think
2: it it very well could have that sounds like me
0: (laughs) (laughs) but but the other thing is, like, what would what would be some of your favorite moments like that from recordings that just kind of you're like, oh yeah, I, I always hear that, or I that always gives me a good laugh or something.
2: Well, oh, my one of my favorite records is Paul McCartney's Ram, mm-hmm. and I love that album because it's it's I, I I put it up against all of the Beatles catalog. I think it keeps pace with the Beatles, which is not it's, it's rare for post Beatles albums to do that, just because you know you had three amazing songwriters in one group Mm -hmm. but i love that album because it's so well recorded but it's also there's mistakes and just rawness to it and they don't trim the endings and you know what i mean like it's not it's not Mm -hmm. dressed up so it's to me it's Mm -hmm. like the hybrid between abbey road and the white album Mm -hmm. and i love all the like the little squeaks and tape edits Mm -hmm. and all that stuff but if i were to cite two my two favorite Uh, errors or whatever on recordings philip glass's glassworks is a favorite of mine and i think it's called uh i'm terrible with song titles but it's uh, this uh, kind of it can be kind of bombastic and repetitive and Mm -hmm. you know there's synthesizers and woodwind instruments and so it's a mix of like modern and you know neoclassical whatever you'd call it probably new classical Mm -hmm. um but uh you can hear it's such a meticulous recording, but there's this one point where you can hear someone's like foot slide on the ground. It's like, oh <laughs> yeah, these are people in a room. <laughs> yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, and yeah. They,
2: they probably hated it. The engineer's like, ah, you know, they, they mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. probably like yeah, the cellist got like like yelled at, like you ruined <laughs> the recording. But it's like, you know, it's my favorite part. And there's also uh, remember when uh, that Bob Marley legend compilation came out in the 90s yeah yeah like the the album that everyone has a copy of oh yeah yeah
0: yep. it's just like it's it, it was like the 90s frampton comes alive like somehow yeah. everybody has a copy of it and they know no one knows where it came from yeah
2: yeah that's right it's i mean talk about the greatest hits right mm. like one of the greatest greatest hits and and the version of no woman no cry on that album is live and it's uh i think it was recorded at the roxy in los angeles if i have my facts right but uh, mm-hmm. My favorite part of that is they play, and it's they just sound incredible. They're they're just in it. It's they're playing mm-hmm. great. They're sounding great. And then all of a sudden, there's just like this little bit of feedback, and yeah. you can hear the sound guy like take it away. It's like, oh yeah, this is live. My band sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know?
0: Yeah, but yeah. I, I I forgot about that one. Yes, mm-hmm. I I I remember hearing that now. Because yep. yeah, I, in college, you you heard that every dorm room that you walk past at mm-hmm. least it was either that or dave matthews band mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the two or there or dave,
2: uh for at least in my dorm it was uh that uh maceo parker's live on planet groove oh my gosh that was yeah. a big one. Oh, and that, and that was kind of like i mean i knew who james brown was but mm-hmm. that that maceo parker album was like really my my introduction into the the james brown universe the extended mm-hmm. universe you know yeah getting past just just like I think at that point I had Star Time or something like that box set.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed part one of our conversation with Spencer Albee and be sure to tune in next week when we bring you part two where we talk more about music and other things. Be sure in the meantime to check out his new album, The Pop Popsicko Volume 2. It's on streaming platforms everywhere. You can also get physical copies on CD and vinyl at Bull Moose Music Stores. Be sure to follow him on social media and at his website in the links in the show notes and we will